Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 60 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, the Toronto Blue Jays regular season is quickly coming to an end, and we have a lot to talk about. We've got to talk about the mini two-game series against the Philadelphia Phillies. The bullpen kind of had a letdown there in the last game, but that's coming off the heels of an offensive explosion in game one. And of course, we got some prospect notes. We got thumbs up, thumbs down. And But first, Riley, what's up? How are you? Good. Got a little bit of a rest in here. We played a really exciting two-game series against the Phillies in their ballpark. And I tell you, man, we got enough stuff to cover a four-game series with the amount of runs they scored in it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was an exciting series. We're going to get into some pretty serious baseball. But middle of September, man, you're me or Jesse. You're a Blue Jays fan. You love to watch the games. You love to see what's going on. I'm glad. You know, we would have been happy taking both the wins out of it. That's the way the ball bounces literally in that end literally, of that ball yeah. game. <laughs> but, hey, we'll take one. One, we'll take one win out of two, and uh, yeah, we'll see where we go from there, man. Nothing but AL East opponents on the schedule from here going forward. We're done with all that, so a lot of teams that we see quite a bit. But before we get into that recapping the series against the Phillies, Riley, I think it's time you and I get our official stance on where we want the Blue Jays to finish in the wild card race right now. 13 games left to go in the regular season, and unless something very dramatic happens, I still don't think we're catching the Yankees in the AL East, so it seems like the wild card is our spot. We're going to be right now. The Jays sit in the top one. I think we're two games up on Seattle or maybe Tampa Bay. Either way, we've got a little bit of cushion uh, for the four seed right now. But Riley, what's your thoughts here? Do you think we should tank for the six seed just to get Cleveland? Or do you think we should stay in the four spot and try to get home field? I think we got to go for home fieldness. I think the way you look at the opponents, I think that the pitchers that we potentially are going to face, uh, the Cleveland Guardians, I think, is a team that has some of the most elite starting pitchers in all of baseball. The numbers might not support that, but I think in a push, in a pinch, in a three-game series, they got the arms to carry that ball club. And if our hitters aren't on the ball, and if our pitchers slide just a little bit, we could lose both those games two to one and be walking out the door. I would really like to see us play the Rays. I think that we're going to have good success against them. And I think I think that's our best bet, to be honest with you, man. I think that I'm a little bit uh, scared of Cleveland's pitchers. I think mm-hmm. we can hit them. I think if you run this series 10 times, I think we take five out of, out of 10. I think we do. I think we split, you know, every game for 20 games, however many it's going to be. But Hey, I think we're going to have good success against Tampa. If we play them in, in the first wild card round. The problem with like trying to fall down to six and the tank two face Cleveland is yes, you'd probably play if you beat Cleveland, you'd play the Yankees in the next round instead of Houston, which might be an easier task. But as soon as you start picking your opponent, you want to play, you've kind of lost already. And the Jays haven't played well against Cleveland this year and their contact heavy approach with how they just spray the ball all over the place kind of can work wonders, especially when they're playing more small ball in a one game or a short three game series like the wild card round is going to be. I think I'm with you, Riley. I think I want the Blue Jays to finish fourth, and ideally, I'd like them to play Tampa, I think. But then in a quick three game series, if you're lined up against Shane McClanahan, who just shut down the Blue Jays over five innings, and if Tyler Glasnow is back from the IL and he looks anything close to the Tyler Glasnow of old, Tampa's going to be scary in a three game series. And yeah, their offense isn't that good. But I don't know if I want to face that. Maybe Seattle, honestly. Maybe give them a shot if they can get up to the five seed and we play them. Might be the way to go. And Seattle's even one of those sneaky, scary teams, too. We've seen them go on. They might have been the hottest team in baseball for a span of 60 days. We're in the toughest division in baseball. We're in the toughest wild card race for our lives right now. 
If we're in any other division, we're sitting pretty good. If we were in the AL Central, we'd be kicking butt. Cleveland wouldn't even be a conversation <laughs> at this point. But this is the way that we're aligned. And for since the 1990s, you know, with exception to that 90s Atlanta Braves team um, putting on a clinic in the American – or, sorry, National League East, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Red Sox. And there was a stint where the Orioles had a pretty good mid-2000s mm -hmm. team. But you're talking about the best five teams per division in baseball. Like, we're always we're always in heavy, man. And, yeah, with the thing, thing about the Guardians is they got three elite pitchers they can throw in those games, and so do the Rays. But I think that the Rays' offense is something that I, I don't bat an eyelash at. I think that our starters can easily handle those hitters. And I think Cleveland's just scares me a little bit more. And I think that we will have good success against the Rays' hitters. To be honest, man, I think we can beat any of these teams. Yeah, don't me get too. me wrong. I would just like to see us play play – to uh, have a two game sweep get it over with let's get out of that yeah. th three game set because if we any team if you lose that first game Jesse you're in big trouble mm -hmm. that first game that wild card series will be so important this is a this is a new format this is a new playoff format that's been implemented this year i really want to see how it works there could be a lot of upsets across baseball with it i hope that the jays are on the good end of of what goes on there because we know we're going to be playing in one of those three game series me too riley 13 days to go we're going to preview that wild card series when we get there but uh yeah let's go um let's talk about the series now here against the phillies uh, game one, the Blue Jays won this game 18-11. to 11. Yes, you heard that right, 18-11. The bats came alive, and boy, did they. The Jays scored in every run in this game except for the fourth, including four in the eighth and four in the ninth. Every single Toronto Blue Jay who started got a hit, including home runs by Jackie Bradley Jr. and Matt Chapman. Teoscar Hernandez had a four-hit day with Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk having three apiece. And Ross Stripling was cruising in this game until he gave up one in the fourth and then four more in the fifth inning, his worst start he's had in quite a while to be honest. Uh, game two, the Blue Jays lose this one 4-3 to three in 10 innings. The game was tied at zeros until Vladimir Guerrero Jr. launched a three-run home run in the eighth. But then Jimmy Garcia came in, a guy who's been so reliable for us and struggled, gave up three earned runs, and Jordan Romano gave up the hit that sent the game into extras. The Jays loaded the bases twice in the last three innings but couldn't score either time, and Adam Simber allowed the zombie runner to score to seal the deal for the Philadelphia Phillies. So after the series, Jays are 84-65, and 65, six and a half games back of the Yankees. And we're in the top game of the wild card spot. Two games up on Tampa, two and a half up on Seattle. So Riley, lots to talk about. Where do you want to go first? I still like where we sit as far as as far as this goes in the standings right now. We're comfortable, man. Jays are looking really good. It was a tough one to lose. I want to go back to that to game one in this series. Mm -hmm. And Jesse. 18 to 11. It reminds me of another game. This was 1993. We were playing the we were playing the Philadelphia Phillies uh, in their older ballpark. I want to say Veteran Stadium or Veteran Park. Not sure which label. Veteran whatever. Um, real rainy night. That would have been game five of the 93 World Series. Another 29 runs scored. We beat mm -hmm. him four, 15 to 14. And Jesse, 18 to 11. You can do the math. It's another 29-run game <laughs> against the same ball club. <laughs> it is very wild, man. So that being said, so Dave Stewart said in this, he was asked by a reporter, have you ever seen anything so ugly in your life? And he basically replied, ugly. It's a beautiful thing. Maybe not a well-pitched ball game, but a beautiful ball game. And Jesse, that's exactly where we're going with this beautiful ball game for a guy who needed it, a guy who got a lot of hits in this one, Teoscar Hernandez. Man, we've been slamming him 
big time on our pod here. Mm-hmm. And it's about time we give this guy credit. It's about time he started to produce. And Jesse, it was a big part. I mean, 18 runs, you really got to get your whole lineup turning over, driving in runs, getting on base. But Teoscar did exactly that, man. We needed him for that, his own stats, and for the game itself. I will say with Teoscar Hernandez, one of the main gripes we took away from his last series that he's really struggled against the slider and the curveball. Now, we did have four hits in game one here. All four hits came on the fastball. So I still want to see him kind of hit that slider, hit that curveball. He caught up with Hazel May after the game, too. And he said he's been dealing with injuries all year. Now, we're in the dog days of the baseball season. I think everybody is a little banged up, right? Teoscar included. But he said, look, my team needs me. So... When I'm in the lineup, you know, I, I think like a Teoscar Hernandez at like 70% is still better than a lot of people's 100%. So if he can come around and he can put streaks like this together, I think it's a good sign. And I will say, he was one of those guys that came up with the bases loaded and I think it was the 10th inning with one out and he hit into a double play, but it was a rocket. Riley smoked it. I think it was 105 miles per hour. It just happened to be right at the shortstop and he was doubled off. So Teoscar's hitting the ball hard. He has all year. Let's hope he can break out of this funk here. Yeah, I'm sure he will, man. It's just it's good to see those glimpses from Teoscar Hernandez, and it was about time. And in a game where we got 18 runs, it's good to see a guy that we hold in the middle of this batting order driving in some of those runs. And yeah, four hits, nothing to, you know take away from a man. Yeah, I could have had five, could have had six hits in an 18-run game, but four, that's pretty good for Teo. I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack, but he was a <laughs> producer in this series. Another guy who produced well in this series, Riley, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You ever heard of him? Yeah, he's okay. He's okay. Yeah, he's okay. He hit a three-run home run in game two of this series, and it was a rocket, a no-doubt shot. And I will say, it looked like one of the most aesthetically pleasing home runs, because when Vladdy swings, he just freaking cranks the thing, right? And it was a rocket. It hit hard as Vladdy's done. It was a no-doubt about her. And the thing I like most about it, Riley, it was a 99-mile-per-hour fastball, low in the zone, and Vladdy launched the ball in the air, the kind of thing we wanted to see from Vladdy for quite a while. And look at the damage he can do when he raises the baseball. Yeah, well, we know the power that this kid holds. Probably, I mean, obviously, and we'll get to that more. More milestones, spoiler alert, in the episode. Mm-hmm. But this is this is a, a guy who's a prodigy, and he still has lots of time to figure out his swing, Jesse. I know that there's a concern level because, you know, he's not giving you numbers right off the bat. Baseball is 162 games plus the playoffs. Like we give him a little bit of time. Yes, the launch angle has certainly been literally down this year sometimes in the negative launch of driving the ball into the ground but hey i'm super happy i don't think there's there's too many people i could probably name three guys who can hit a ball harder than than vladimir guerrero jr and they're all above six foot six Mm -hmm. so you know what i'll give him i'll give credit where credit's due he absolutely launched a three-run homer in this series that i mean didn't get it got it got us you know, to play extra innings at least gave us a shot to win the ball game at that point. But you know what? Kudos to Vladdy. Couple hits in the in the. I won't even call it a blowout because the Phillies scored eleven runs on us. But it was it was the score of a football game for sure, eighteen to eleven. And Vladdy was also a contributor in that. Thirty home runs on the season now for Vladimir Guerrero. He's the youngest Blue Jay to reach three hundred RBIs in his career, and he's still got a, a baseball reference WAR over four. He might not be an MVP candidate this year, Riley, but he's still only 23. One of the game's best young talents and the future face of baseball as a whole. But Riley, I wanted to talk about um, a pitching performance. Kevin Gosman here, he's coming off back-to-back starts where he gave up five earned runs. So we wanted to see something good from Kevin Gosman. And his line looked 
better, but still not great. Six innings pitch, five hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. I was most impressed by 17 swinging strikes on 87 pitches. And Riley, Kevin Gosman started this game. Strikeout swinging, strikeout swinging, strikeout swinging. Second inning, strikeout swinging, strikeout swinging, and then strikeout looking at a 97-mile-per-hour fastball. Six straight strikeouts to begin the game for Kevin Gosman. And he gave up some hits as the game went on, but that's the stuff you want to see. Dominance for Mr. Kevin Gosman. And it's too bad, Jesse. I was just on Twitter earlier today, and I see you always see the top five people, you know, for AL Cy Young, NL Cy Young. And I saw Kevin Gosman nowhere to be seen in the top five for AL Cy Young. Yes, Alec Manoa was slotted at at almost blasphemous. He was at number five at that mm -hmm. point. He was jumped by a couple guys. I think that's a little unfair. But Kevin Gosman had a real shot to be in that top five. And I think it was, Jesse, the last two starts before this start that really hindered his chances at really getting any top place votes. And that's too bad because we, we signed... Kevin Gosman this year to a big deal, and he has done nothing but put up sick numbers, man. Absolutely, yeah. His, his craft this year has – I mean, his, his career has done a full 180 from where he was – uh, pitching for the Orioles five years ago to making a stint with the San Francisco Giants and doing real well there, and now he's come to Toronto and he's 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 put he's put the money where his mouth is, man. Uh, not that he's you know talking about making big money. Gosman isn't that guy, but he's he's shut the door for us, man. Kevin Gosman has been an elite starting pitcher, certainly one of the aces on our ball club this year. I'd still say season one of Kevin Gosman in Toronto is a massive success, even with the Babbitt being the highest Major League Baseball has ever seen of all time. I think there's smart money, Riley, if you want to place a bet on next year's Cy Young Award winner, that Kevin Gosman might be a smart bet to make um, at this point right now. But from the positives to the negatives, Riley, let's talk about our manager, John Schneider. We haven't really been critical of... Uh, his decisions here yet, but in game two, I think this was his worst managed game as a Toronto Blue Jay so far. Decisions like putting in Adam Simber over Anthony Bass in the top of the 10th there, especially with the ghost runner on, Adam Simber's a big contact guy. You kind of want more swing and miss, which is what Anthony Bass gives you. I thought it was also odd that they pinched hit Kevin Biggio against a hard-throwing left-handed pitcher which we know Biggio struggled against lefties and we know he struggled against high velocity. Maybe that could be something they just didn't trust Merrifield or maybe they didn't want to bring in a different defensive replacement. I don't know, but I thought that was odd. He also made a bad challenge too. Like a guy was clearly safe and he made the call, but I don't want to take too much away from that. What, did, what were your thoughts about John Schneider in this series? So I'll try and back uh, John Snyder up for both of these. I'll try and see it from a manager's perspective. So you're absolutely right. Anthony Bass, another guy whose career has been quite literally resurrected. I think he's done extraordinarily well this season um, in both teams, both Miami, both uh, the Blue Jays. I mean... Uh, he, he is, yes, he's a, he's maybe has less control than Simber, but more swing and miss. And I do like the swing and miss, but maybe the ghost runner on second. I don't know if he thinks that they're going to be weak ground balls by Simber because he you gets know, those and pop ups. Too. He, he, he does, he does get those. I mean, maybe he's scared of uh, the chance of Anthony Bass having an extra base hit. That's all I can see on there. I, if someone's going to give up an extra base hit, it's going to be Bass, not Simber. But obviously, it, it didn't matter in this game. You know, chopper up the middle, nothing you can do about it. Also, right. one of the the silliest hits I walk off hits I've seen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's, a, I mean, I thought that might compare with when uh, Luis Gonzalez just about broke his bat on a Manny Rivera cutter and won won the Diamondbacks World Series. Probably one of my favorite hits of all time. Hit it where they ain't, right? Hey, exactly, man. Well, he did exactly that. But um, as far as Biggio, the thing I thought 
um, was just trying to get a runner on base. And you know how I feel about yes. getting my runners on base, Jesse. I don't know, man. I don't have a lot of faith in Mitt uh, Wet Merrifield right now. And I know the matchup doesn't make sense, but this is a, uh, a reliever that doesn't have a lot of control. Maybe, Jesse, maybe it's a chance for Biggio to draw a walk. But then again, his vision against left-handed pitching is also not as good. It's it's night and day when he's facing mm -hmm. a righty on the mound. That's what that's how I try, I'm trying to back Schneider up personally. Jesse, I agree with you. I don't think they're good decisions to make, but we'll see. We gotta put we gotta put some trust into this guy, right? There's two weeks left in the season. We're cr we're crunching um, you know, on the playoff door right now so we got to have a little bit of trust in this guy i would like to i would like to feel that john schneider has made a neutral impact on the team not a positive nor negative let's see where the where the guys take this because you know this is not john schneider's team he's just kind of the interior manager yes he could be signed to a deal afterwards yeah, and, and i think he whatever will else I and think i think he will. he will be too and then he'll probably have more control over the club this year but he's kind of just filling shoes right now and the, this, this is a pretty self-sufficient team i mean you look at the guys we got in our lineup this team just works itself mm -hmm. riley speaking of trust how much do you trust this bullpen right now? Because as we mentioned, Jimmy Garcia gave up three runs in the eighth. That's now three straight appearances. He has a lot of run. Jordan Romano has now blown back-to-back -back saves for the first time in his career. So Riley, confidence meter, one through 10. How do you rate your feeling about the bullpen right now? Right now, it's a five. Before the series, it was probably an eight. I think it's. I think in a week it's dipped as low as it has in a, in, a, in fluctuation. And um, a lot of that does, it, it has nothing to do with the Simber game. It has less to do about Garcia and sadly more to do with Romano. But I have trust in him. It's just you don't want to see stuff like that, obviously, especially from the elite closer that Jordan Romano is. I also find it weird that Anthony Bass hasn't pitched since Friday. Maybe he's injured. Maybe there's something going on. I don't know. But Riley, as we get into the playoffs here, your bullpen pitches more and more high leverage outs and appearances. And you kind of want your bullpen to be firing on all cylinders going in there because one two-run home run from a guy out of your bullpen and you lose a game, and losing a game in a three-game series is detrimental. I'd probably rank it still a seven. I still like this bullpen, but let me tell you, I got that uneasy feeling more than I did uh, as about a week ago. Yeah, and I'm a little... I know you say, the, you say the Garcia numbers, and his numbers as of late have not looked great. Maybe he does bring it down to a five for me because it's not all on Romano. I mean, he's been absolutely stellar this year. I cannot put the blame on one single guy. I think Simber just get, got unlucky in his performance. I also think Adam Simber has pitched real good this year. And um, yeah, I would I would actually have liked to see Bats pitch. I didn't realize that it it's almost been a week, Jesse. Mm -hmm. if, if you said Friday, we're recording here on Thursday night... I mean, that's six days ago. I mean, you got to think that he's due, and we're probably going to talk about him in the upcoming episode anyways because I'm sure he's got to tow the rubber at some point. Just got an update six minutes ago. John Schneider says Anthony Bass is fine and is ready to go and will likely appear in the game tonight. So what do you know? There you go. <laughs> um, some other notable performances I want to talk about. Uh, Ross Stripling gave up nine hits, his worst start in the last six, I believe. Matt Chapman had a three-walk game in terms of defense and had the best win probability added metric of any Blue Jay in the series. So Matt Chapman almost single-handedly got some teams to wins. Alejandro Kirk, game one went three for five. Game two went one for three. Three walks in there. And Riley, Danny Jansen hitting 386, 466, 36 in the month of September. And yes, he's still striking out, Riley, but the contact is loud from Danny Jansen. And he's only played in about 60 games this year, and he's already got career best in Woba, isolated, 
uh, slugging percentage, batting average, win, uh, WRC plus, and home runs for Danny Jansen. So out of those five players, Riley, what's your biggest takeaway? Oh, well, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll leave the obvious that I'm going to say about the Chapman and walk and aside because we know our Oakland guys like to take their walks, but I'm going to pull one out the obvious one, Jesse, and that's Danny Jansen. Mm -hmm. His power numbers from a guy who you don't think power when you think Danny Jansen, but after this season, and I, and I think I called it a little bit, Jesse, I think at the start of the season in our, you know, preseason episodes, I did say that be prepared for some power at a Danny Jansen. Um, Kirk and, and a multi-hit game, in the series too, that's great. I expected a little more pop out of Kirk, but you know what? We're getting him from Danny Jansen, and yeah, for real, Jesse. You say the contact is loud. The contact is loud, man. He's making some. He's a he's a great power hitting catcher, man. And I don't hate a power hitting catcher. We just had a catcher hit forty eight home runs last year. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm okay with it. Do I think Jansen's going to hit forty eight home runs next year? No, I don't think that. But I do think that he has the potential to hit 20 home runs as a catcher and maybe 25, depending on how many games he gets to play. I mean, he's not going to play every day with Kirk on this team. We have one of the best problems to have in all of baseball. And God, we haven't even mentioned Gabby Moreno in this episode. But yeah, he's still a catcher on this roster too. Mm -hmm. So we got three good things to deal with right now. We'll talk way, way down the road. We'll have these discussions. I just want to say that we got probably the best catching tandem in all of baseball in those two, Kirk and Jansen. And I'm loving the loud hits out of Danny Jansen. Absolutely love it. Crucial to this team. I think he's going to be a big factor in these playoff games. I do want to see more power from Alejandro Kirk. The fact I, I think he's had one home run in the last, what, four weeks, five weeks. I have to stat check that, but uh, it's something like that, especially if he's hitting fourth in this lineup. The hits are nice. I just want to see some power. And Ross Stripling, are you worried at all five earned runs here? Um, you know, he's been so good for so long, so I guess we're really not. It's just one of those blips, but this kind of seems to be the thing where every now and again, the hits just string together, he gives up a home run, and next thing you know, there's a five spot on the board. Does that bother you at all? Well, well no, it's just like if Jordan Romano had blown a save back on May, whatever, then he wouldn't have done it this, you know, the last time he was out. I mean, baseball is a game of averages. It's a game of, you know, things are bound to happen. Guys aren't meant to go... Oh, for 57, uh, right. you know, you're bound to get a bloop single in there somewhere. Stripling was bound to get hit around. And yes, giving up nine hits in his appearance isn't the greatest. Guys were hitting him well. But, I mean, Ross Stripling has been one of the best X-Factors for this Blue Jays ball club this year. I mean, I yeah, see I'm him not as worried a can't, I don't see him as a can't-do. I see him as a can't-do-wrong kind of guy. I love the performance we're, like, we've been getting out of him, man. I mean, you can't knock the guy because he was holding a whip of 0.99 as of the last time yeah it's obviously rosen up there but it's not like he's having a one uh, like a one three whip or anything like that it's still real low man he's still really holding he's limiting his hits he's really limited his walks and i'm even the power pitching numbers there the swings and misses the strikeouts are still up for stripling and i wouldn't have thought that was possible at the start of this year man ross stripling has really surprised me and i think he's you know <laughs> i think i might go buy his jersey oh you wow. bought it nice. uh, he'd be one of the i mean i'm big on i'm big on my guys that i like but ross stripling has really made his way uh, you know into my heart this year he's been absolutely electric man guy's been great I'd wait to buy that jersey just to see what happens to him in the offseason, but um, I like the theory. I'm all about spending money on Blue Jays stuff, so let's see what that happens. Riley, uh, we got a lot to get to in just a little bit of time, but Riley, really quick, I had a thought yesterday 
that I think Rymel Tapia is going to have a big postseason moment for this team. Kind of like runner on first, maybe the bottom of the six, we're down by two. He gets a big double to the wall or something, scores a run, or maybe we're tied, just a quick bloop single. I really feel like Rymel Tapia is going to have a dramatic postseason moment for the Toronto Blue Jays here. Just a thought, just to put it out into the universe here. Was this a dream that you had, Jesse? This sounds an awful lot like a dream. I don't know because, you know, it's kind of like the theory, oh, bottom of the ninth, two out, full count, bases loaded down by three runs. But you gave me quite a good example there. I think it's very possible. I think that there's a lot of guys in this on this team that could be big game guys that haven't been big game guys before. I think Espinal could be another one. I know he's day-to-day -day right too. now. I think Espinal could be, I mean, we got two, two of the best catching uh, catchers in baseball right now working together could be one of them could be one of our big guys too we don't know i mean this i they always say october baseball this is where heroes are made let's not get too far ahead of ourselves jesse we're still in the month of september but boy am i i know you're looking forward to it man as the guy said uh, over text today you know i hope you know if i'm buying baseball tickets you know, you're going with me. Yeah. I think that's great. So, and I'm hoping to, too. But yeah, absolutely, man. I would love that for Rymel Tapia if he did. I would yeah. love any big game from anybody. Just want to see big moments, man. That's what we live for. I just want to put that out there in the universe just in case it does happen. You know, um, some news and notes here. As you mentioned, Santiago Gaspinal left game two. He's dealing with left side to comfort. Mitch White is on the taxi squad. We'll likely start one of these games at Tropicana Field this weekend. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is working out in Dunedin. He's doing a throwing program and he's doing some hitting, but the base running is kind of right behind right now. He'll probably be with the team at the Trop, but he won't be activated to the roster yet. Julian Merriweather was sent down after kind of a blow up in game one of this series. Uh, Left-handed pitcher Foster Griffin was called up in his place. He was one of the players we got in the Whit Merrifield trade. Um, he throws mid-90s, cutter. Fastball, curveball, changeup. We'll be excited to see what we get from Foster Griffin going here. And Riley, the government of Canada is set to drop their mandatory vaccination mandate to enter the country as of September 30th. So if we get a series with Seattle Mariners here, Robbie Ray will now be allowed to come up to Canada and James Karinchak at Cleveland and whoever it may be who wasn't allowed to enter Canada earlier are now going to be eligible to play in Canada during the postseason. So that quote unquote home field advantage that a lot of people, uninformed people on Twitter thought we got is gone now. So full systems go for both teams going ahead. I think that's all fair. Throw throw whoever you got at us, man. I think if we ended up facing a Robbie Ray, I think that would be one of the bigger games in Blue Jays' recent history. Um, it would be I so fun to crush him, though, wouldn't it? Like, if we can just crush uh, Robbie Ray in the playoffs. Oh, man. I'd like a nice 5-4 to four ball game. I think mm. that's a great, great, great playoff game score right there. Something in the 5-4, four, 4-3 four, kind of thing. Obviously, with us getting the top end of the runs there. But yeah, I like how they dropped the mandate, whatever. Put your best guys up against us. I think that the Jays can do it. I think that the Jays hold a great team right now. They got so much young potential. Like, no one on that team is really any sort of name in the playoffs. I don't even... Whit Merrifield wasn't even on those Royals teams when they were winning ball games in in the playoffs, right? He was not with the ball club yet. I think right. he came up in like 2017 or whatever it was. So no one has spoken for yet. We got some clean resumes right now. Let's see if we can chalk them up a little bit, Jesse. It's going to be an interesting September for sure. I'm excited to see uh, what comes forward here for the Blue Jays. Two more notes, Riley. The Tampa Bay Rays are fighting with each other in their clubhouse and in their parking lot. And the Boston Red Sox have officially been eliminated from the AL East competition. So... 
good stuff. You like seeing your division rivals in shambles as things are moving good for the Toronto Blue Jays here. Um, just really quick on the prospect notes before we preview the Rays series here. Nate Pearson pitched another inning, surrendered a walk, and then looked nasty, striking out the next three in a row with a fastball that sat 98-99. Slider looked nasty. Addison Barger got called up to AAA and had a walk-off double in his first game with the Bisons. He's the Blue Jays' number 14 prospect. Started the year in high A and has had a really good year in the minors. He's actually going to the Arizona Fall League here as well. He hit 305 with a 919 OPS, 23 home runs on the season. And Yasver Zuleta, the Blue Jays' number six prospect, made his debut for Buffalo. Pitched an inning. He walked a guy. He hit a, a, gave him a hit, but he also got a strikeout. So any major takeaways there before we preview the race series, Ryan? No, I think um, in my head, like it's always good to hear about the prospects, but we want to hear about we want to hear about the race series. We want to we we know the guys that are going to be with us in October. And um, I do like hey, I do like that Pearson's still still hanging around. I know that you have the biggest heart in the world for the guy. So that's that's honestly good to hear. But yeah, my biggest takeaway is we're locked in, Jesse, American League East teams from here on. Let's do this, man. Riley, a little breaking news here. Um, the Blue Jays have announced their rotation for the rest of the season, and Mitch White is going to start in the rotation tomorrow, um, giving Alec Manoa going on Saturday and Ross Stripling on Sunday, which if you do the lineups, it lines Alec Manoa up for the last game of the regular season. And John Schneider, I guess, apparently said, if home field advantage in the wildcard round is on the line in game 162, the Toronto Blue Jays will use Alec Manoa in the last game of the season to guarantee we get home field in the first round, even if that means him not pitching in the playoffs. Do you have a quick thought on that? I think that's a smart move. I think that if you were upset with John Snyder from his uh, game decisions in game two against the Phillies, I think I like this, Jesse. I okay. think you got to pitch your guy. You can't, you can't wait for the next game. I do like the home field. I think it's important, man. I think it's very important. And I think we got a good supporting cast afterwards because I think after Manoa, you give the ball to Gosman. Then you give the ball to Stripling. And then from there, you hope we take those two games and see where we're at. But I do like the decision to pitch Manoa in game 162 to just... guarantee us. Yeah, I get it. But we're in the playoffs either way. If we have to go on the road, so be it. I would just hate to go through the playoffs, losing the wild card round, and Alec Manoa didn't make a start for you in the playoffs. Is Hopefully it doesn't come down to this. Hopefully the Blue Jays have home field advantage locked up before this happens. And if that is the case, it seems like Alec Manoa is in line to start game one of the wild card game. So I like that. But I, I don't know. I hope it doesn't come down to that because I would hate to go in the playoffs and not have Alec Manoa start one of those games for us. I'm 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 gonna take another quote from the exact same series I referred to in '93. Jim Fergozzi asked about Kurt Schilling. He said, or the reporter said, "You gonna pitch Kurt until his arm falls off?" And he replied, "Most likely." I'm throwing Alec Manoa till his damn arm falls off because he's our guy. And I mean, sh short rest or not, I'm milking every little pitch out of that starter because he's gonna be our guy. Alec Manoa probably wants to pitch almost every day, too. He's a big game guy. He'd be wanting to go, so we'll see. Um, a lot of storylines to follow in the next 13 weeks, Riley. Or 13 games, sorry. Um, Riley, I could tell you who's pitching in the race series, but the Jays four-game series in Tropicana. Just really quick, how are we going to do? What are your expectations here? I think we're going to take a split. I think it's always hard to win in the Trop, Jesse. We know this. This is the theme. This is the theme for our ball club, but I think we're going to hold on to a split here. 
And I think we're gonna. I think it's gonna be close. I think it's gonna be a close series. I surely hope that we don't give up eleven runs in it. I don't think we need that. I think they are gonna be pretty well pitched games. Um, maybe Tampa hits around and scores seven, eight runs on us in one game, and we do it to them in another game. It's gonna. It's gonna be a well fought series. This is a team that is exactly level with us right now, in 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 my mind, in my opinion, and we're right knocking at the door. The one good thing I will say, if they're you know, having some, you know, difficulties in their clubhouse and whatever else. Maybe we can use that, you know, not against them, but feed off that. Hopefully their morale's mm -hmm. down and we can outplay them. Maybe take three out of four. But I still think, Jesse, it might be a split. We're heading into a hard ballpark for us to play in. And I think, you know what, I at this point in the season, I would I would take the split. I'd be really happy with a split here. I could very easily see a situation where we lose three out of four here, but I kind of with you. I think a split's going to be what it takes. Riley, the Jays have a 380 winning percentage at Tropicana Field in their history. And honestly, it feels worse, to be honest, than that. So not expecting much, but you want to be playing well down the stretch going into the playoffs. Let's hope the Blue Jays can prove us wrong and maybe win a series here. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do our boys because, oh boy, she's getting down to her, Jesse. Two weeks of ball left. Regular season style. Oh, man, it's it's an exciting time to be a baseball fan. It's an exciting time to be a Jays fan. I mean, Jesse, I'm pumped. What can you say, man? Like, we're here. Mm -hmm. we're, we made we're, well, we're almost there. We're almost there, Jesse. We're almost there, man. We still got to play really good ball for the next two weeks. And, I mean, we're not letting off the accelerator. Let's do this because we got to be locked in. Our pitchers got to be locked in. Our hitters got to be smart and selective up there. And hopefully hitting the ball in the air and out of the yard, looking for those extra base hits, and at the same time, to making good solid contact, not swinging at the bad ones, drawing some walks, getting guys on, getting runners in. It will be an important time, and we'll be here to react to it every single step of the way. That will do it for our episode here today. Thank you for everybody for tuning in. Guys, some big news. We're actually looking for a third host to join us on the show on Buds and Blue Jays here. The only requirements you need, you got to be able to record twice a week during the season and then once a week during the offseason. You just need a good headset. You need an internet connection, and you need to be passionate about the Toronto Blue Jays. So if that is you, send us a message on Twitter or Instagram, or you can email us at budsandbluejays at hotmail.com. Riley and I are cool guys. We're not going to be mean or anything. We're just going to be a couple buds hanging out talking baseball. So if that's something you would be interested in, send us a like there. And please, while you're here, like and subscribe to the channel and leave a review on all those podcast streaming platforms. Riley, before we go, anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, Jesse's a pretty nice guy. I can be a little bit of a jerk, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, man, I'm, I'm super stoked for it, Jesse. Like, this is a big series coming up. I don't have the highest of hopes. Like, I don't think we're going to sweep, but I'm going to be really happy if we take a split out of here. Moving forward, we're still around We're still around the, the winning percentage I think we would have had, not at the very start of the year, but about a month in, I thought yeah, we'd be around take, here. Yeah. And, and we're doing it, man. Two weeks to go. Still got to play good ball, man. We'll be back Sunday to recap the race series. We'll see you then, guys. Let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.